0: Let me get everything started here and we're, uh, we're, we're, we're set to, we're set to go. And you know,
1: I want to, so you're, yep. You're all good then.
0: Good. So I want to jump into it. lots of business owners out there today uh, because of pandemic, just because of regular market conditions. They're having lots of problems, lots of challenges. Um, what do you think? What do you, how, how do people fix this? How do you come in and start to help them? sift through all of these challenges that they have having, Phil.
1: You know, it's, it, to me, it's, it's, it's real, it's focus. You know, if we, if we are clear of vision, if we know exactly where we're going and being clear of vision in a COVID world is <laughs> challenging at best. Mm-hmm. So, you know uh, it's in theory, it's, it's great to say, but really striking that, that balance, you know, understanding that we have to be evolving, we have to be moving and bobbing and nothing is quite the same. Um, but we still have to have that clear vision and guess what? There will be a world after COVID. So poising ourselves and positioning ourselves so that when we come out of this thing that we come out stronger than before and and poised to take advantage of a new market and a new reality.
0: Yeah, I uh, I agree, right? Uh, I was doing a podcast a little, uh, actually yesterday and I had a, um, I had someone on uh, Ravi, and we were talking about this idea of what really happened in COVID, and he works with lots of different types of organizations, large and small, and he said what COVID really did was it just broke the business processes that were there in place. They hadn't built it for a pandemic. I mean, no, nobody had. Uh, but that's what broke. Right. Uh, and, and, the, and I'll, I'll call them the blind spots, right? The, there were blind spots that were now, what were the limitations to the process and that broken? That's, that's what you do. Right. I mean, that's what you kind of come into the company. I mean, you've got a little bit of history in the business pest control specifically. That's what you do. Right. Am I, am I getting that right? hundred percent spot on. So I, I like to dig into your bio a lot. I mean, I've got, uh, I've, I've got, uh, You've got a lot of accomplishments, a lot of accolades, and I want to touch on a couple of the things that I thought were really, really interesting. You know, I love this part where you say, you know, I help businesses learn, implement, and fully integrate the knowledge, tools, and proven systems to align, transform, and excel in organizational and team leadership. Getting everybody on the same sheet of music. I mean, gosh, I can't even seem to do that in my family much less at my (laughs) company. (laughs) But... You know, this idea of you You worked at Cooper Pass Solutions, you were second generation. I think I write a stat in here saying you know, 60% of second generation businesses don't make the mark, they, they fail. Uh, you, you did well. You got lots of awards and accolades in local press and media. What was, uh, what what brought you to today? What was, uh, what were all the learnings in that, in, in what you've done?
1: Tons of learnings. I mean, mistakes after mistakes after mistakes after mistakes. I mean, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur, and what we as entrepreneurs, you know, we just want to try and do, and you know, it's understanding, you know, what where my strengths are and where my weaknesses were. Um, you know, Gino Wickman wrote a book, Traction, and a lot of people on the you know who are listening to this probably have read Traction or um, Rocket Fuel or one of the Wickman books. And there's a thing called a visionary, and a visionary is simply you know the person who's at that 20,000 foot level who's got like 20 great uh, and 20 ideas of which 17 are garbage and starts distracting the company and going all over the place. Well, you're looking at a classic visionary. This is it, um, and I'd make my people crazy. Um, you know, there's no doubt. And you know, trying to harness that over the years with Cooper and getting that, you know, taking that, that craziness and, and channeling it and then built making um, everybody on the team great. And that's what we did. We built great leaders in Cooper. And Cooper just continues to just rocket in the world of Terminex, who eventually acquired us in, in more in May of 2018. Those leaders are just Crushing it because of the things that we did with with both you know EOS, um, the Wickman system, and what we did with our leadership program. So channeling all that as an entrepreneur, that's that was you know, that, that sort of gets you where you want to
0: go. So let's uh, let's dig into EOS. I mean, I've, I've I've been exposed to EOS a couple of times, and you know it's it's a it's a system that gives you a framework to start scaling your company, right? So you, yeah. you get everyone in alignment. Um, I want to dig in a little bit, just sort of this idea of visionary. I, I, I got to tell you myself, I mean, I would say in the last two to three years, I've gotten comfortable calling myself a visionary. Uh, I had this idea of a business. I, I thought it was a little bit, I, I don't want I didn't to come across as an arrogant prick calling myself a visionary all the time, honestly. <laughs> uh, and then I started to finally own the fact that, yeah, that's what I do. I've got this idea and I've got, I've, I've got this mountain that I want to run up and, and conquer. Talk to me a little more about that visionary. How does someone find out that they're a visionary, first of all? How, what, what are the traits of a visionary?
1: Well, you know, I think one, you know, while I can talk about it, I, I would really suggest if, if some of this resonates, Rocket Fuel, um, which was written by Wickman and Mark Winters, is, is a must read because it goes through a list of the traits of a visionary and the traits of what we call an integrator. And the integrator is the person who runs the company every day to day and, you know, is, is harmonizing a company. And then you have the visionary and the visionary is this person who again, you know, loves big ideas is way up, you know, in the clouds comes up with all, you know, loves big relationships and big meetings and big stuff and they're and they're coming up with, you know, every day they've got something else and another way of tweaking it and and what happens is, you know, so many times us visionaries end up being the integrators of our companies. And when we're trapped in that role, what we end up doing, it's very, very simple. We go to our team and we come up with a great idea and they get, oh my God, they get so enthused and you start going and you're going in that direction. I don't know, for a month, two months, four months, but then we can't help ourselves as visionaries and we come up with a new idea or a tweak and we go to the team and we all of a sudden have them and we jerk them in another direction and You're jerking them back and forth and and they get exhausted and they look at you as a visionary and they say, you know what, you're killing us. And the problem is that we don't have that integrator to to rein us in. And we don't have that integrator to figure out of those 20 ideas, which were the 17 that were garbage, but which three were the golden ones that nobody else had. And so having this visionary and integrator relationship is the real key. And knowing that you're a visionary and not being trapped in that integrators role and making your organization completely nuts is also key. But it's great to be And and most organizations where the visionary is the integrator, the organization goes, they don't view visionary as a great thing because you're making them, you are making them absolutely completely crazy. But when a visionary is unleashed and let to do their job and doesn't get in the way and, and doesn't do the integrators role, magic happens. It's just amazing.
0: I, I read that book and I put it in the comments here. Uh, Rocket Fuel uh, by Mark Winters and, and Gino Wickman. I, it, it was a quick read. I think it took me. I, you know, I, I. It was a page turner for me. I, I couldn't turn the pages fast enough because, for the first time ever, I think someone. I felt like someone had been watching me my whole life, and 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 the and the, the hairs in the back of my neck were standing up, and it was giving me the heebie-jeebies. I don't know if that's a good wording. Yeah,
1: Vinny, you know the the art art integrator, you know, was doing the the went through the test on the visionary and he was just marking down. He was looking at me and he went like, check, check. check." He goes, you checked every box. (laughs) (laughs) Like you are, you are a visionary. I mean, you know, and he thinks of himself as, as part of an integrator and part of a visionary. He has some dual traits. I I don't have any of the traits of an integrator. I mean, like I, you put me in that, I can do an integrator role and I can do that stuff, but I don't like doing it and I can't sustain it.
0: So I, this, this is interesting, right? I mean, we're, we, we, the, our conversation is about this idea of using data to compete with the big guys, right? Yeah. And I want to kind of bring this all together and kind of, because we started going down this path, I, I still think there's a tie here, right? And that is, you know, starting to understand what are the strengths of the individuals in the company yeah. is probably the first step to starting to figure out. Look, if, if you don't know, first gear comes before, second gear comes before, third. Uh, you're going to have a hard time getting that car going a hundred miles an hour. And I I think that's maybe the sort of the reading between the lines here is figuring out who's sitting at the table and what are their strengths, visionary versus integrator versus all the other roles. Am I, am I getting that right?
1: Yeah, you are absolutely. And, and where you're going to go and I'll let you take it for a, you know, a little bit further on the data side. You're, you're where you, you know, that what I, you know, that data is everything and how we use that, how that integrator uses, how an organization uses the data and how they grab it. And, you know, so you go ahead and ask a few
0: more questions because (laughs) I
1: won't shut up on this stuff.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah. look, I I call myself a little bit of a recovering analyst. I used to work with Homeland Security and Department of Defense when, when people were talking about, you know, gigabytes of data. I was talking about terabytes and petabytes, right? Gigantic, gigantic sums of data. And what I started to find myself personally was just this idea that the data is good, but once you start to figure out the story that comes out of the data, oh man, now you're starting mm. to cook with some gas, right? That's that's some good stuff. And I think that's part of the real secret here is that what you do and how you come into organizations, help, help them figure out who's who are the right butts in the right seats, if I can say that, mm-hmm. right? And then starting to study each one of them and how they're performing in their roles, now you can start to hold people and uh, to standards and expectations.
1: And I think there's, you know, a couple challenges here from a small, you know, a small and medium-sized business owner. And, you know, to me, small and medium is, you know, $2 million to $50 even even $100 million is still small. You know, I had the unique opportunity post-Cooper to get to work in the highest levels of Terminx. You know, I was a senior director reporting right into the C-suite and I got to see data in a way that I never saw it before and how we could grab data and manipulate it and, you know, using things like Microsoft Power BI and they, you know, I would like, go, wow. like If I only had this at Cooper, if I could have drawn the data, I mean, like it was fascinating to me and I never thought that you could do that on a, on a smaller level and what we know now is, you know, that you know, along with what you're doing, you know, you're able to go and in, into those different data sources, you know, the fleet numbers and the operational data that we have and the different different sources and bring them together and manipulate it so that we can then take that and in the world of EOS produce an amazing scorecard, because a predictive score and that's what we teach, you know, in entrepreneurial operating system and Wickman talks about it all the time and you. you cannot be more correct which is oh, so many times in the in our scorecards we look at outcomes we don't look at predictors we don't look at the activities or the leading indicators that tell us what the outcomes are going to be you know sales and profit and you know expense are great but that's not what those are the outcomes and we're talking here about predictors and so if we can go into our data all the data that we've got And gather it and find predictors for each of our leaders and each of the roles, whether we're talking operations or sales and marketing or finance or the, you know, or send you into some of the sub realms of HR and fleet or service delivery. And if we can find those great, if we can measure the activities that are happening out there and match up trends, then it gives us something that's actionable. And so there's again, I look at we have problems in two realms in the world of entrepreneurs. One, most small businesses can't gather the data and manipulate it in such a way that they can find those great indicators. And then to your point, if we are lucky enough to get that Most organizations don't even know what to do with that data and how to and how to leverage it into great execution.
0: So a way I tried to explain to someone one time is I said, so you know how a speedometer works in the car? I mean, that's data. It's raw data telling you how fast you're going right that second. But let's say that there was a, you know, I, I, I can't tell you how many owners of businesses I've talked to. And I say, hey, do you have a spreadsheet that says, an Excel spreadsheet that says January, February, March, April? You know, it's got a tab for every month. And you'll you kind of hear this. Yeah, I got one of those. I said, how much time <laughs> do you spend on that, right? What, what, what if that speedometer, that data that you get into that spreadsheet, what if it's a day old? What if it's a week old? What's, what if it's a quarter old? How, how do you actually drive that car at full speed when that data that's coming from that speedometer is 15 minutes old? Can you really drive it fast? And I think that's part of what EOS and what you're kind of teaching these people is, hey, let me start to teach you what that speedometer is so you can figure out how fast you can rev that car's engine and how fast you can go. Is that right?
1: if I know what if I know what we need to be doing every week. I'm going to manage differently, I mean, and and to that point, if you're measuring it every week, you're, you probably can measure it every day and you can probably measure it even, you know, at a faster rate. But, you know, look, I mean, at EOS, we, we look at it on a weekly basis on a 13 week rolling, it's rolling, it's not we're not doing it in quarters. We're doing it in 13 week rolling segments so that we're always looking at trends. And we're looking at, you know, you know, five to 15 measures at most, you know, really, you know, hopefully like 10 uh, of the key, the key activities that are driving the outcomes. And again, in each of the areas, because we use the scorecard to hold our leaders accountable. I mean, it's EOS is about accountability. And the accountability of not just the leaders in the company, but everybody in the organization. And if everybody has a number that they're accountable to and they know how to drive that number and that number drives outcomes, magic happens.
0: So we get a couple of people on the uh, on the uh, who, who are listening in here. I I would really love uh, to hear where you're from and what you're doing. And uh, and if you're so inclined, tell, tell us what what brought you in uh, and what is interesting about what. Uh, we're talking about here as a topic would love to uh, love to have your comments um so phil let's 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 kind of talk more about this data right and i, and I call it uh, sort of the uh, the the special sauce the secret sauce what makes the company a superhero and i even put a tweet out there about this idea that a company that understands how to use its data it's already there mm. right? And all the systems that you're using if you're able to use that data y- you keep all of your competition in your rearview mirror all the time because they're constantly trying to figure out how to catch up because you're making decisions in, in, in real time. They're trying to figure out how you're doing, but you're adjusting real fast. Right. And that's, that's what you're talking about. This 13 week sliding scale. Yep. Uh, is that right? Correct. And what, what does that transition look like from a company who starts out when they're like, ah, you know, let's, let's give this thing a shot to 13 weeks later, after having done this, what what does that transition look like for that
1: company? You know, when you're, you know, the scorecard, the data component is one of six components in EOS. So I'm not gonna, you know, I would never, you know, want anybody to think that, you know, if you're looking at data in a 13 week realm, that, you know, magic by that self is gonna happen. You know, there's, we've got to have clarity of vision. We've got to have the right people in the right seats. We've got to have that great data and we've got to have that great scorecard. We have to know the issues that are emanating from it. We need to have core processes that are followed by all. And we need to have that pulse of the meeting pulse and all that stuff. But when you do have that data going in that 13 week realm, um, and if you've got that great scorecard and you're looking at it each week and you're saying, am I on target or off target? And it's yes or no. Did we do the activity or not? And if we didn't do the activity, what happened? Like, why didn't it happen? And looking for the root cause of it, and really searching and knowing how to figure it out—that's where the magic is. And it doesn't take very long.
0: It doesn't take very long at all. So I, I want that. This. So this is this is great, right? I mean, I I, I mentioned this idea that I got this little sound soundbite uh, from you know Ravi, who I had on the podcast earlier this week. And he said what, what broken COVID was all these business processes. And th- I think this is where you're saying, this is where you can start to identify some of that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You can start to say, here's a process that's breaking down and don't wait till it catastrophically fails, right? You're building data that's starting to say, we're marching in the right direction. We're marching at the right rhythm yep. or we're not.
1: Yeah, and right. I'm not talking an SOP. Yep. I'm not talking a how-to process. I'm talking the major steps, you know, three to seven steps that outline the major key steps. And it's visual. I can see it. There's a few words. They're the core processes. And almost everything that breaks in our companies follows it's going to be in one of those core processes. And you're going to look and you're going to figure out where it went wrong. And ultimately, within that process, it usually goes wrong in one of those six things I said before. It's either. We messed up our vision. We went and started doing something we shouldn't have been doing. It's not what was in our we we got out of our lane. What makes us special? It's there is a problem with our people, maybe. You know, maybe we're measuring the wrong thing. It's possible we could be measuring the wrong thing. We'll figure that out. Usually that's not the case, but sometimes it could be that we just that the, the process itself was wrong although generally if we've done a good job of that it shouldn't be that um, but we find out real quickly where it's at and so we can go in and and fix because when we when we what we don't want to do is what we most as entrepreneurs we do over and over again which is we meet with our teams and we talk about a problem and we dissect it and we go and we fix it but we actually fix the symptom we don't fix the root cause and we find ourselves talking about it again five weeks later 10 weeks later two months later but it's because we're talking about something that is it's not the same problem it's similar problem but it was the same problem because if we would have found the root cause we wouldn't have just solved the one problem we would have probably solved 10 problems
0: <laughs> yeah you're, we you're do fixing it all the, the time you're fi- and it's so easy to do you're fixing the symptom not the actual
1: and, and we do that over and over again as entrepreneurs I mean that's just you know we just haven't learned the discipline of going in with our teams and and really doing what we call you know issue solving so you know identifying truly identifying the root discussing it and not repeating ourselves and then solving it and putting it away forever
0: give me an example and what i mean by that is so uh week two week three you've built your first set of scorecards you're starting to measure some data you're starting to look at something company says i i you know I, I suspect everyone says i think we have a sense of where what we need to be looking at uh 12 weeks and 13 weeks and they're like uh this is this is a symptom we're solving or and they may not use that language yeah. but uh, we, we were supposed to be looking at this and we were looking at this can you give me an example of that
1: yeah i mean it could be as simple as you know we have an activity that is supposed you know it, there's an activity that we would want we would want you know 10, you know, take it in a sales perspective, you know, maybe, you know, we want 10 appointments a day. I don't know. Or, you know, 10 appointments a week is is the problem. The people. Is it the sa- is our problem? The sales manager? Is it the people? Is it our process is, is the process that we're asking them to do wrong? Is our train or is it our training programs? Where is the root problem of it? And do we find it in other places? And, you know, it might, you know, we're going to dig deep to figure out where, where is the true problem? Because typically we make it a people problem when it's not really the, it's not really a people problem. It's usually a process problem or a management managerial problem. You know, sometimes it's a people problem, but much more often it's, you know, uh, I'll give you another one. We have downtime. You know, we, we talk about this all the time. You know, is it, you know, when we're looking at downtime, is it that we have a vehicle sitting in traffic for 20 minutes when they didn't make a right or a left, you know, because they didn't turn their, they didn't turn on Google Maps because they don't feel they need it and they're just sitting idle. Well, If I'm sitting in my office and I don't realize that and I'm not seeing real time data and I'm not matching up data to productivity and different measures. I don't necessarily see that. And but why did that happen? Was it was it because of training? Is it because we have you know what's causing that person to do it? And how many other people in my organization are doing the same thing as that one vehicle? That's data. And data starts to tell you where those trends are. It really helps you start to figure out where the root problem is.
0: Yeah. So I've actually been starting to uh, get a little more educated myself. One of the things that I used to think, uh, you know, having worked in data and technology for a long time, we used to talk about this idea of KPIs all the time. And KPIs are these specific measures. I mean, what is your idling time? How many visits did you make today? What was your revenue per, revenue out per hour, for example, right? Uh, and what we started doing is what is what is the next step beyond KPIs? It's this idea of behaviors, right? Behaviors are a series of performances together, as in, you know, does Jack versus Sam versus, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Scott complete, what, what behavior are they exhibiting that's really good? And that all comes from, you can't get there without the data to understand that behavior. Is that making some sense to you?
1: Totally. And it goes back to who who in our companies are doing best practice. I mean to you know, again, we teach, you know, um I do a great I do a lot of teaching of leadership and leadership on not an executive level, but in the mid-levels of our companies. Where the, you know, we need great executive leadership, but we need to be solid in the the guts of the company. That's to me where where the magic really happens. And Within there, you know, what we're looking for is how do you leverage those things and you know we, you know, a a good mid level manager has, you know, eight to 10 direct reports and they're probably you know, in, in the pest control industry they were in the field. Well, guess what those guys and gals. Each have unique abilities that are special, you know. But do we know what and we think we know what they are by interacting with them. But do we really know what they are from the data behind them? Because we don't measure it. We don't we we sort of look and kind of look at the data, but we don't really, because as small businesses, we don't get the in, like, you, you know, the word I love you that you use is insights, you know, and can we, you know, and, and do we have the empathy and, you know, all those things that that ultimately truly matter. And this is what I learned to Terminex, which was Data tells you a lot. I mean, data will sniff out stuff. Now, data doesn't tell you everything. You still need to get in the field and you need to watch and you need to be with your people. And I'm not going to sit behind a desk and make look at a bunch of reports and just start hopping on the phone. I want to go validate and I want to look. But gosh, it speeds up the process way quick. And it tells you things that, you know what, maybe I didn't
0: realize. So the way, the way I think of it, um, I'm kind of curious how, how, you, how this sits with you. Is the way I think of data is data is the text in a book, right? Mm. And you could have the wrong text in the wrong page and it makes absolutely no sense. What a master author does is put the text in the right place in a book so that you've got a fantastic story that is captivating, that makes sense. And you say, I understand what's happening and where this is going to lead. I mean, the best stories are the ones where you go, I know what's coming around the corner. You you don't know exactly what it is, right? Which like, right. I can't wait to find out, <laughs> right? Uh, I, I think that's kind of what these scorecards and these dashboards that you create, uh, as you start to mm-hmm. dig into these issues, that's what you start to do is you start to find that story or the narrative that makes these these companies go. Am I spot on? It? Absolutely, because I, I I feel like a lot of people get scared because of data, like, oh, I don't, data is an Excel spreadsheet. No, I think that's step one of data.
1: Well, I, I think they get scared of what what's the right measure. I mean, finding, figuring out what the right measure is for companies is a is an art in itself, you know, really what, I mean, and every company is unique. I, I, I do not subscribe to anything that, you know, there's a great scorecard that should be applied to every company, you know, they're each company you know that i interact with whether it's in pest control or hvac or elevator maintenance or an insurance brokerage firm you know they're each they 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 have they're, they're unique they have different cycles they have different things that they're different activities different things that they're measuring things that are important um different culture and all those things bring different data points that we want to be looking at so figuring out what the right data is is step one that we want to see and then figuring out how to go into all the data that we have in our all the data sources and bring them together which again you know that's the void out there right now you know, in in small business we don't we don't do that what we just don't do that well we have independent separate systems that have lots of data and I go to my fleet management system and I look at my fleet stuff and I go to my, you know, operating software and I look at my operating stuff and I look at my accounting stuff and I see my PL and I, but I don't bring them together because I don't know how to bring them together. Yeah, that's right. But you bring them together and you, if you can start to, you know, tell that story. And then if you bring in other things and you can, you know, kind of, you know, create a, a, a spider net over top of it and find trends and predictors Wow, like power <laughs> and that's and that's something this, you know, we as small business owners, we we just have not had I mean, I, we, you know, you can create scorecards and in EOS we create scorecards, but we don't have powerful score. There's a difference between the scorecard, which is great, which makes us do EOS well and really having a great scorecard. <laughs> and I and I, I think great, great, great scorecards are coming down the road. I don't we don't have them yet. Uh, they're not far away. When when you can take data like you can take it and and manipulate it and produce those outcomes, just you want to get me jazz and get me juice. Now now we're talking.
0: <laughs> hey, whatever floats you boat, Bill. I mean, <laughs> I mean it's it's it it it, it is it it, it it is interesting stuff for me too, right? The idea that uh, you can start seeing these things and being so intentional in the way you do stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, and you know, I, I remember when I first did, you know, I've, I've got a background in artificial intelligence, machine learning, and I gotta tell you, I was probably the prettiest girl in the class, which is not saying much at all. Right. But, and it was never really interesting when I went to you know, dinner parties and went out to bars and talked to friends about it, whatever, whatever else, right. No one has cared about data. I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much power here, but I, I think it's the application of it. Right. When it's getting yeah. the right framework. Oh, it's cool stuff.
1: Because, you know, again, you go back. I mean, as we get into big data, I mean, well, let's let's take it a step further. We it's it's not just the data that we possess in our companies. What about when you marry it up with weather conditions? Yeah. And what when you all the other data that is out there and you start marrying it and putting it together, you know, with and you're doing it in ways that the big guys do. I mean, I mean, look, and you do it without, you know, and you look, when you look at Google and you're amazed at the algorithms and what they're doing and how they just, you know, they know every step of what we're doing and they know our behaviors, you know, it's it's just big data at work. And, you know, Microsoft has talked big data and Google has talked big data and Amazon talks big data. And, but big data hasn't made it down to the, you know, I don't want to say the little guy, but yeah, the little guy and the, and the medium guy, we, we, we don't use big data, not yet. <laughs> And I'm going to say not yet, because it, again, it will become, and it's going to change things. And there's going to be, and it's going to be those entrepreneurs that latch onto that big data and the data that they have inside and match it up to the big data. And I think there's, you know, I think there's change, the winds of change are coming and there's going to be some great opportunities out there, fun that's opportunities. I, mean,
0: I, I personally hope I can, uh, I, I can shift some of that. Right. I mean, that's, that's really an interesting, interesting space pulling all that stuff together and eliminating yep. those blind spots. But I, I want to kind of bring us back to this idea of competing with the best, the, the, the big guys, right? Mm. Um, we've talked about this idea of uh, data. Uh, we've talked about this ability to manage expectations and create this accountability. So now we have this ability to build a well-oiled machine, you know, it take some time and take some effort to get there, but you pay attention to it and you start building this well-oiled machine. How does that, position somebody to compete with the big guys. Is that really the right question? Is that the right? Yeah, I do.
1: I think it is. You know, I really struggle a lot of times with business owners that say, you know, we had this big organization come into town and, and wipe out, wipe us out. So, you know, you take a hardware store. I think it's the easiest one to think about. You know, you've got a really, really, you know, you've got a hardware store and, you know, it's family owned and they've been running in the town for 50 years. And, You know, in comes Home Depot and they get wiped out and they think it's their God given right to operate in that town and the town should support them and that they shouldn't be wiped out by Home Depot. But there's reasons why people don't go to that hardware store. Now, on the other hand, I can show you some amazing hardware stores. In the backyard of Home Depot and Lowe's that are thriving. So how does that happen? And it happens because they know that to compete with the big guys, you've got to be different, you know, and truly got to be different. But there's things that, you know, what do people, why do people go to those big box stores and there's certain things that they want and those small, those ones that have been able to survive deliver those things, but they deliver those things and more and they're delivering things that Home Depot and Lowe's could never deliver. So it's, it's really understanding, you know, in the world of EOS, we call that the marketing strategy. You know, who's your target market? And I'm not, and I know who my sweet spot is. You know, if I, if, I, if, I, if I have somebody that wants to just buy a commodity and buy a commodity price, guess what? I guess they're going to go to Home Depot. But if they want what makes, if they want what we have, they're going to come to us. And then we've got to have our three uniques, the things that make us different. What makes us different than Home Depot? and truly different, not where we say it and we don't do it. And we better be doing it better than anybody else in the marketplace. And we're gonna be different and we're gonna distinguish. And whether you're in pest control or again, elevator maintenance or HVAC or pool maintenance or landscaping, I don't care. And you know, we think that sometimes the bigger guys can, you know, they're bigger and they have it, you know. they're No, I don't care whether you're a one or two man operation or you're a hundred person operation like we were at cooper or you know you're you know somewhere's you know even bigger it, it it's all the same and so yeah you can absolutely compete with the big guys and then you know again you you do all those things and then if you you marry it up with the other stuff and then and then if you take the tools that the big guys have and you can you know use them in a, in a way that you know allows you to still be yourself and be in, you know, allows you to be that special, unique company. Again, I I call that the magic. So that makes sense.
0: It does to me. And I think I'm going to pick and choose a couple of parts of what I know of uh, EOS and sort of the whole vision traction organizer and sort of the six dimensions that you, you, you take a look at. I mean, I think what I'm hearing and distilling a little bit of what you're saying is Look, if you've got a vision, that vision is probably going to be different than what as a hardware store, for example, a pest control company, HVAC company, that vision of what you're going to be as a company is going to be different, fundamentally going to be different than the other company. That's it. That's a black and white statement. There may be some overlap because you guys are in the same industry, but how you execute on the mission, on the vision that is yours means you are fundamentally different. You don't care about anything other than mosquitoes. And you do that really, really well. So you're not worried about roaches, you're not worried about bed bugs, you focus on mosquitoes and you are, just like Jiffy Lube is to oil changes, you are to mosquitoes, right?
1: You, know, and, you yep. optimize everything.
0: Right.
1: You know, in, in the world of EOS, and when you look at that vision, you know, I, I think it's very important, you know, people think vision is that statement that you see on a wall that nobody remembers. That's not what we're talking about here. I mean, and, and again, you know, the way Whitman describes it and the way we teach it, there's eight questions that we're trying to answer. First, what are what are your core values? And I think that really, with any company, really is where it starts. And you know, you've got to know what 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 the values of your company are, and and you live it and breathe it. I mean, look at Chick Fil A. I mean, th- there's your example. I mean, they 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 have got it down, and that's why no matter where you go, everybody's smiling and everybody's happy, and these kids are just they, they just they, they clone them you know, because they all wear, they all have the same values. And that's my favorite example. So what are your core values? And then what is your core focus? What are you in business for? Why are you there? What's your purpose, passion, or cause, and what's your niche? And then where do you want to be long-term? Where do you want to be in 10 years between five and 30? And then driving that down, you know, what's your marketing strategy and that marketing strategy is what we just talked about. Who's that target market and what are your three uniques? And, you know, What's your experience? What's the journey, the process of the journey of of every customer that goes through your company? And we take that over and then we say, okay. so now what are we going to where are we going to be in three years from now? What does the company look like? Because that's the vision. And when we say vision, it's the vision that's going to be shared by all by everybody in the organization. So what does that three year look like? And then let's bring that three year back to one year. What do we need to do next year? to carry that vision, you know, to get to that three year and clearly identifying what that looks like with the three to seven priorities for the company so that we can share them with everybody. And then we then take it to that 90 day world we call, you know, rocks and EOS, but 90 day priorities and clearly identifying those three to seven organizational priorities and who in the company is going to be responsible for them. And then finally, what are all the things that are getting in our way Our issues, the things that are obstacles? And when we share all of and that is that makes up the vision, that is the vision of the company. And when you everybody knows what that is. Wow. (laughs) Because that's not a paragraph on that's framed on the wall and it says vision. (laughs) That's not that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about something very, very different.
0: So I, I you know, the the idea that popped in my head, I remember back uh way back when I used to watch the NBA and David Robin, Robinson was playing. And you know, they used to be uh the the Sultan's a SWAT and the the whole idea back then was that if you step into the lane, David Robinson was like, not in my neighborhood, <laughs> right? And you that that basketball was gonna get thrown into the you know, nineteenth row of the rafters, right? Of the bleachers because you don't come into his zone. And I think this is kind of what yeah people need to think of that vision as, right? That's, this is my paint, right? You don't step into the paint here because that's mine. And Home Depot is not looking at that. Lowe's is not looking at that. Terminex is not looking at that because they're looking at something else. Mm -hmm. You say, this is mine. Don't step into this because I will kill you there. And everybody in the organization believes it and is living it. And because they do
1: it, it becomes easier. And because you're doing that, you then... Are willing to empower people because you know that's another word that's thrown around all the time well we're going to empower our people well great but can you empower but can you truly empower them you know and again you go back to what you we started you know you, you know using data with the big you know competing with the big guys and using data you know it's great to have data but you know all this what do you do with the data like, once you know what you have, it's great once you have, you know, you, you, you now you know something. Can you do anything with it? And that's, the, that's that's where the, you know, there's, again, I say it's like, you know, it's a three-part cookie. You know, one, here's, it's like an Oreo. Here's the data. And here's what you do with it. And, you know, here's this the stuff that we don't have right now, the creamy middle, which is grabbing it all together. You know, so we can grab it all together and manipulate it, and great, you know, pr- bring these outcomes and you know things that we don't get right now, which is what we need. But once we get that, what are we going to do with it? And you know, again, it goes. I, I think you're you're spot on. You know, you got to have that vision. If you don't have the vision, you can have all the data you want all day long. <laughs> you're probably not going to do a whole lot with it. <laughs> and so we've got to utilize the data correctly.
0: So, I mean, if we, if, if I kind of keep going down this path of that analogy, and I, I think it's still working here, uh, is what the data allows a company to do is, well, what a vision allows you to do is carve out your box, your niche, your space that nobody else can come into because you do that so well, right? You do it, again, Jiffy Lube does oil changes, right? Nobody else does oil changes like Jiffy Lube does. They don't do all this other stuff. They started to venture into it, but that's what they made their name on. That's why they got so big. So now this vision allows you to define this is what I am, right? And the data tells you every time you're stepping outside of the paint, right? So mm-hmm. you can say, let Absolutely. Me my, let me bring my foot back in because I don't want to be out of the three-point line because I am now starting to get outside of what I do what I do really well. Mm-hmm. Right? Is, that, yeah. is, that, is that a like, good analogy?: well, I'll
1: give you a great one. You know, we knew at Cooper, our target market for residential was homes. You know, single family homes with a household income over you know, joint income of over, over one hundred thousand dollars. Well, how many homes were we doing that didn't fit that target market? Oh, I mean, I know the ones that we were, you know, I knew how many homes we were doing in a zip code. But was I Were was I matching it up to their household income? No. Did I think I was in the target market? Yes. Did I look at my market market saturation as a guidepost? Yes. But did I really know? Did I really know? No, I really didn't know. Would it be good to know?
0: Sure would. So this is a we're talking about a lot of stuff here that could that this is not something that happens overnight, right? I don't it's, think so. <laughs> yeah, I, at least I haven't seen it yet. right? Uh, this is not a red, blue, red pill, blue pill kind of option here. I right? take the take, take the blue pill and all of a sudden, you know, everything's taken care of. Um, for me, lots of times in the past, getting off the couch was the first and hardest thing to do, right? Give me steps. Give me, you know, step one, step two, step three. What, what are the first things that people, if they want to, if this is kind of scratching an itch, right? It, I, I don't even say it's an itch, right? If there's a feeling inside. I, there's something that's keeping me from doing what I want. It's keeping me from growing the way I need to. It's keeping my employees from staying with me or, or being engaged. What, what, is, what is step one, two, and three? Uh, someone they can take home, jot down on a piece of paper, and say, "All right, I'm gonna at least kind of start down this path." What would you
1: know, you I mean, to me, step one is finding an operating system, whether it's whether it's EOS or Vern Hornish's is scaling up, or you know, there's a number of different ones out there, and you know you know, it's maybe reading a few, you know, step one, becoming educated on either one or more operating systems and picking one, because I don't care what organization you are, you know, you need to be on, if you're frustrated, if you're not doing what, if you're not hitting your potential, then you need to be on an operating system. And if you're one of those unique companies that is just naturally doing it already, kudos, great. You've got step one, solved but most most ceos most entrepreneurs haven't figured that out yet and they are frustrated they feel like that hamster in the cage they're doing a lot of things they're making progress they're not growing as fast as they'd like or they're not making as much money or you know things are happening so that's step one step two once you pick that operating system is getting it into place and making sure that it's truly operating seamlessly and then then again, you know, again, whether it's, you know, something like EOS and getting an implementer, um, like what I do, or, you know, just making sure it operates, just is really running on all cylinders. And then the third step, which I think is, you know, where we go into the data, it's because you're gonna now have that operating system up and running and you do have that clear vision And you've got the cadence and you've got you're gaining traction as as Wicklin would call it, you know, now it's taking those scorecards and now it's putting some juice to it, you know, doing something that's really, really, really special because I do believe that, you know. There is just a lot of magic out there that we're just, you know, even when we put EOS into a company that there's even more out there if we could get into that data. And I, and I do, I just when I think about data, I, get, I do get excited because I know how much difference we can make as EOS implementers out there with companies implementing EOS. There is no greater joy than I have going to another company, working with their leadership team, putting in the EOS, getting their leadership team lockstep, getting that organization going all in the one direction and what they can do. But I know if we can add amazing, really, really amazing data, not the data that we're talking about up to this point. That's step three, is you know uh, you know supercharging that organization with great predictive data, so that we we really start to influence behaviors and we and we do some amazing stuff.
0: You know, my brother works for uh, uh, Amazon, and uh, he has talked me through the process by which they iterate. He's he's run a couple of uh, business units. Uh, various business units he kind of talked me through it and I asked him so what do you what do you what do you think is uh, what is it that they do really well and he said gosh they spend so much time just understanding every single click I mean I don't know it was maybe seven eight (laughs) years ago that Amazon passed Google in the number of searches on a daily basis and I mean I mean I think that came out left field for a lot of people they wait what uh they spend so much time combing through the data and that is what makes them, you know, whether you love them or hate them, that's what makes them fantastic <laughs> at what they do. Right? U- UPS yeah. isn't just a little scared about Amazon Prime uh, having airplanes. They're a lot scared about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then that has also made UPS kind of go back to the drawing board and say, so what, what really are we that we do that Amazon is not, right? so they can peacefully coexist and i think what i'm hearing from you is just this idea of taking that data to really truly define what yeah. you are and what you do that's the bee's knees right there
1: absolutely i mean it's it, it 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 is so defining and i don't care what industry you're in and i don't care what size you're in you know there's you know it, we are we are products of the behavior of our people you know i say that leaders managers have one job, we have only one job. That's to make our people great. If our people are great, everything else takes care of itself. Uh, I forget which I was was with a company last week. And they said they just shifted their entire focus away from their, their clients, their customers. Hmm. And you would go like, oh, my God, like, they're not customer centric. And they said, "No, everything that we're doing is on the employee level we're not worrying about our customers anymore because we're worrying we're giving all the tools to our employees to deliver the great experience so they know what the journey of the customer is supposed to be we are going to make sure that our employees have are always in a winning position now this is um you know i'll go back to my term the next days um my, the CEO um, that was at Terminex when I was there, Nick Vardy, a man who I just admire to the ends of the earth, would say to me, you know, Phil, always remember, we need to put our people into winning positions. Winning positions. And it's a very simple statement. It goes back to the company that I was with last week. And it goes back to data. You know, if, if the data helps us put our people into winning positions, we can focus on our people so that they can deliver the behaviors. Most people want to do good. You know, I'm not going to tell you that everybody you hire is great and wants to be great. That's not. But the majority of people want to be great. Another um, another uh, side s- story would be, you know, I would go to dinner parties when we had, you know, when I had my company, you know, Pest control company Cooper Pest, and people would say, Phil, where do you find your people?" You know, we had Joe working at our house for five years, and Joe got promoted, and then Laura came in, and Laura was better than Joe, and then you know, Laura was you know, she was only around a year and a half because she you know she had to move with her family out to California, and then you know, Harry came in. And Harry was as better than Laura. Like, all you do is find these great people like, you know, how does that happen? I said, you know what? There's tons of great people out there. We just put every one of them in a winning position. We work relentlessly, tirelessly hard to make sure. That they know what they need to do to be great. They want to be great. The problem is that we take people and we put them into losing positions. And we don't measure the data correctly. We're not giving them the information. We don't have that vision. We don't put in that system in place. And what happens? They don't perform. So it's it sounds simple. I wish it was that simple. It isn't that simple. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of diligence. But guess what? There's a lot of companies out there doing it. And there's some some companies that are doing it great. And you can do it and. That's how you compete with the big guys, for sure. No question about it.
0: So I'm going to step back through that again. Um, so number one, you got to take the time to find define your vision, You define your lane, right? Yep. David, David Robinson, right? So that's number one. Then you start to figure out when you're stepping out of the lane and when you're staying in your lane, right? Because that Because if you don't know when you're stepping out of your lane, you're doing something that's not effective anymore. You're doing something that's mm-hmm. ineffective, right? So the data is going to start to tell you when you're doing – effective things versus ineffective things. And as you start getting better at better and better at doing effective and ineffective, look, you're going to want to start to expand your lane, right? And if you're going to expand your lane by putting more people in it, I mean, the analogy is breaking down here, but you're going to start playing more games on the road. People are going to get tired, right? There's, there's different personalities in play. People are going to leave the team because they need to, not because they have to, right? Uh, wh- whatever. Right? Things, things change. But now you say, Look, anybody comes into this house, this is the way it works, right? And everybody has their expectations clear and you always know up front whether they they know what it is that they're supposed to do or not. And it's not a matter of reining them back in. It's a matter of saying, let me make that easier for you because they can run full speed by themselves.
1: They they want to. That's all they want. All they want to do is do a great job. Most people, you know, they need to make a... Look, the, the average you know, person out there isn't the entrepreneur. They're looking to, you know, they need a paycheck. They're putting food and shelter and they're trying to provide for their families are working really hard, but they would much rather have a good time doing what they're doing than going through the, the motions to just get a paycheck. Yeah. You know, and I, I can tell you that as we move and, I, and we look at generations and I know, you know, I will subscribe also that, you know, we, we spend I spend a lot of time helping organizations understand and leaders to understand. It does change generationally when we look at those people. It's a whole different topic. We could spend hours talking about generations one of my favorite topics. But, you know, what we're going to do with the up and coming Z generation and how we're going to put them into winning positions and to use that data with them is different than exactly what we do with the millennials. And it's not just millennials as a group, it's younger millennials and older millennials. And it's also understanding that just because you're in a group doesn't mean that you're not an individual. And I know millennials that act like boomers, I know like boomers that act like millennials. And, you know, so there's a lot going on here, but When we do, when we really, really, really take the time to understand it and we want to put those people and our people into those winning positions and we know the scorecard That we want to be watching and the data that we want to be watching and the behaviors that we want to have them exhibit and we make sure that they're empowered to exhibit those behaviors in in the proper way and we give them all the things and we put them in those winning positions. They'll go to the ends of the earth for you and I, again you know I look at so many business owners you know will complain about you know you know boomer boomer business owners will say oh my god those' Millennials and you, and you know the tired story they're lazy to this to that. no that's right no absolutely not you know Millennials are work outwork a boomer any day of the week when they when they're given a reason to when they want to
0: I, uh, I put a post on LinkedIn a few weeks ago. I said, if you consistently as a manager, tell your staff and employees what they're supposed to do and when they're supposed to show up and how they're supposed to show up, <laughs> they may consistently surprise you and actually do it. <laughs> it's, it's amazing if you just kind of put this information in. And I think kind of, you know, as we're getting closer to the end of our time here, I think sort of wrapping all of this together, what I'm hearing is if you came to this to listen to about how you're gonna beat a, a big company with the data, that I might say, there might be a slightly different question you should ask. As in, where is it exactly that I want my company to be that that company is not? Because if I can start to figure out where, what I am that they are not, then I can be fantastic at that in a way that they can't compete with me. It's about me winning as opposed to them.
1: Yeah. And 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 if you have that, you're going to basically then know what data you need to support that. You know, data underlies the essence of what we are. Data helps us stay pure to what we want to be. Data helps us be accountable to the things that we know we have to do. Yeah. And so data is is a tool. You know, we 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 get that other stuff out there first. And then you couple it with data. That's why I say I get so excited about you know the prospects of what lies ahead with data. Because when we can really harness data, when you have that great company that's already done those things, yeah, magic. It's magical.
0: Well, I uh, I sincerely hope anybody who gets a chance to listen to this uh, was able to walk away from this and, and hopefully uh, I, I like to call it up level their thinking. It, it definitely up leveled my thinking just in the way you represented some of these things. I enjoyed. The opportunity
1: to talk to you Thanks. you know, and i would you know look anybody that's listening that would you know if you want to share some stories with me or you know i'd you know, I'd love talking to folks and helping and you know anything that i can share with you know share to help people that would be you know gives me brings me my passion so you know just reach out to me
0: i, I would like to share your contact information as, a, yep. as it puts absolutely these out there if that's okay with you
1: Okay, would love for you to do that
0: well phil let me uh i'm gonna